0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello, hello. Hi. Hey, how are you? Hey, good to see you. I can kind of see you. It's a little bright up here. But good to see you, sort of. Hey, we're going to invite... We're going to invite our ushers to come forward to do an offering together. Um, If you're an old hand at this, you know what this is all about, but if you're new to church or you're new here, uh, this is the time for us to uh, reach in them jeans and pull out them greens. (laughs) But only if, uh, only if you want to partner with God, you want to partner with vineyard west side for reaching people for the kingdom that's what we're trying to do and some of that takes money uh, not all of it but some of it takes money and uh, so God has been faithful to us and he he challenges us and says that we can't outgive him that uh, whatever it is that you test him with with your money that it, it's all going to work out Uh, you're not going to be ripped off in the kingdom of God. And so we're going to pray, God, thank you for your promises. Thank you for what you've already done, what we know you do, uh, what those of us who have been walking with you for a long time have known now that you are faithful, that we're able to survive on 90% of our income, 80%, whatever it is, better than 100% if we give it to you. Things work out in a different way. And so we just give you this offering because we recognize that you're the one that gave us everything. And just pray that you would bless the world with it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, all right. They're going to pass those things along. And uh, if this is more for like cash and check type stuff, if you're a a more um, hip, modern human that's on apps and smartphones, there is a Vineyard Westside app that we have that has all kinds of really good stuff in it. You can listen to previous sermons, you can connect with a small group, but you can figure out how to volunteer, find out what is going on, uh, events that are coming up. You can also sign up for giving through that app, and so you can do it through your smartphone. Um, well, we're going to jump into things today. How are you guys doing, though? Before we start,, mm. Mm. Hey, who day? Yes, yeah, we forgot to break. God be with Joe Burrow it's gonna be gonna be a good day. Well, hey, today, what we're going to talk about is um, uh, something that some of you might even be and you wouldn't have ever even. You wouldn't have ever called yourself this. Um, you wouldn't have ever put yourself in this category—the um, category of the modern atheist—that you might be a modern atheist. Uh, and I don't—I don't mean that in a in a bad way. It's actually way more common than you might think. Um, Psalm chapter one nineteen says this: "I have." chosen the way of faithfulness I've chosen the way of faithfulness I've set my heart on your laws like I've picked this Um, one of the things we've talked about recently is what it means to pre-decide things that you decide ahead of time before things happen what you're going to do you pre-decide before I get further into this One of the things in your program that we have that that is really, really cool is there's a Weekend to Remember marriage conference that's coming up. Anybody? Who's married in the room? A decent number of you. Um, There's a conference that's coming up called a Weekend to Remember. What I've found is that men have to be court ordered (laughs) to attend such a thing as this. And it is, it's sad and annoying that that is true Uh, because guys, a lot of times don't want to, we don't want to put work into things until something's on fire, like all the way it's about to completely burn out before we get out a fire extinguisher of some kind. But something like this is an opportunity to put work in to where things don't catch on fire. It's pre-deciding to have a good marriage. It's pre-deciding to have a good family. Rather than waiting for something bad to happen or maybe something bad is already happening and this sounds pretty good, this conference is an opportunity, It's, it's two or three days where you get to stay in a hotel downtown, and just listen to incredible speakers and go into workshops and it's it's one of the ways that you're able to bulletproof your marriage when police officers go into a sticky situation they wear a kevlar vest Um, and and it's because you, you don't put the vest on after you get shot right you get ready this is getting ready um and so Psalm 119 says, I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set my heart on your laws. I've already picked. I've already decided that this is what I'm going to do. When things get hairy, when things get crazy, when things get hard, when it's difficult, I already know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to react. I'm not going to just wonder what should I do. I've already chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set my heart on your laws. Now, one of the things we're going to dive into today is just kind of how strange it is that our faith in God, um, that it it still is a choice. It still is a choice. Free will has been given to us. It's the thing that God put on us so that we weren't robots. He could have, could have clicked the other button that said, make them love me 110% all the time. Right? But what would what would we be? Would we really be, will we really love him? Or will we just be programmed to do that? He said, No, I want them to pick me. I want them to choose me. And so free will is given to us. It's one of the weirdest things about having faith in God at all. Because it also brings about why, why do we why do we even have to believe? Why do we have to believe that? God is real. Why can't we just know? Why can't we just know that he's real, right? Our father in heaven. Um, I don't have to believe when it comes to my marriage. I know Allison's my wife. I know it. I just know it. I don't have to wake up and go, hmm, is she my wife? Like, I don't have to go, "Mm, I believe these are my kids, I think. God, help me have enough faith that Allison is my wife. No, I know she's my wife. I know that I know that I know. I know. I just know it. Why isn't it the same with what I know about God? I know she's my wife. Why don't I know that God is the creator? I'd love to just know. I would love to just know uh, the same way that I know she's my wife, the same way that I know they're my daughters, that he's my son, that I know God exists. There's no faith required. Do you have to have faith with your spouses or your your kids or your siblings or anything? I believe she's my sister, I think, like 80%. Why is it that something that is so, so, so big and so important, so personal, why isn't it just a given for us, like an automatic given, the way it is with the people that we love? Why do we have to have faith that there is God? Why do we we have to have, um, you know, struggles with that idea? But anyways, wherever you are on that faith journey right now, you might be new to the faith, some of you, I was new to the faith when I was about 19 years old. uh, Brand new. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up I didn't know any Christians. I would have said I didn't know any Christians. Now I know I knew Christians. They just didn't tell me. I just didn't pick it up. I didn't grab that they were a different kind of person because of Jesus. But why is it that When I was new, on that journey, it was that way. Maybe you're on a journey where you had it at one point, but now you're lost. Like, you knew it at one point, but now you're lost. And you'd hate to even admit that you're lost, but you feel like it's just, I don't know, it just disappeared at some point. Maybe it's not that you're lost. You wouldn't say, I'm lost. You would say, I'm opposed. I'm opposed to Christianity. Now, now that I know more, now that I've gotten smarter, now that I've grown up, now that I've experienced the world, now that I've talked to more people, now that I've watched more TV, now that I've seen more BuzzFeed articles. (laughs) I know I'm opposed. Or maybe you're strong in your faith right now. I'll thank God for you. I thank God for you because you are a hot coal Uh, when a a group of charcoals is together and there's a bunch of cool ones all around, even if you're hot, you cool off right away. I thank God for you, those who are hot coals, who are able to keep me warm. And some of us are just struggling to figure out where we are. But the thing is, all of us, all of us who have gathered here today, all of us who have gathered anywhere on Sunday morning, Saturday evening, online, all over the place. Hello, online people. Welcome. (laughs) All of us together, we are in this and we are moving, right? We're moving. We're moving at 67,000 miles an hour around the sun, 67,000 miles an hour. Do You know that 67,000 miles an hour is how fast we're, not even a breeze, not even a breeze. Sixty-seven thousand miles an hour around the sun. What's the fastest uh, any of you have driven? Who's got one? Who's driven fast? One hundred and fifty-five. Not that fast. Oh, people putting their hands down. One hundred and eighteen in a big truck. Who else? Come on, uh, come on. There's no police here, sort of. Mary. Ninety. In what kind of car? fast one who else how fast how fast 90 that's not come on oh my gosh! oh my gosh! 130 and a honda court that's pretty good well I I was figuring somebody would have better I wasn't wanting to be the the what the one-upper I've gone 158 miles an hour in a a 1964 Corvette um, at Edgewater Um, and it was fast, it was fast. It wasn't 67,000 miles an hour though, 67,000 miles an hour, you know how fast that is? Blink a couple times real quick, how fast did that blink? Each blink we traveled 20 miles around the sun. Each blink. That's how fast we're talking. Sixty-seven thousand miles an hour, and there's no breeze. We're in the Goldilocks zone. The Goldilocks zone here on Earth. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Some would say it is. Uh, it's too cold. It's Too hot. I wind too. It's too hot. <laughs> not really, though. It's just right. It's the Goldilocks zone is perfect, conditions are perfect, it's business time. Do you know what would be required of creating a place that was in the Goldilocks zone, that wasn't too hot, wasn't too cold, that was just right, that was the right barometric pressures, that was the right atmosphere, that was the right um, humidity levels for humans to be able to breathe, that was the right amount of water, that was the right, right amount of land, The right amount of light and dark during the day. Just the (laughs) conditions are perfect. The conditions are perfect for living here. And it's one of the things that God made for us. If you're a person that's not uh, on the God bandwagon of Him creating everything, I would challenge you to study some statistics and probabilities. Statistics and probabilities on what it would take to create a perfect space. Did we come from nothing? Were we a big bang? Was it uh, just a random chance? Statistics and probabilities, baby. Uh uh-uh. Intelligent design. That's That's my team personally, sorry. What we're talking about today though is the modern atheist and the One of the questions being, who needs God? Who needs God? Uh, A lot of modern people don't. A lot of modern people in 2023 believe that they do not need God. Or some of us say that we need God, but we don't act like it. Some of us say that we don't need God, but we would struggle to dismiss him 100%, right? Like we're like, eh, But it's really, really hard to get to that point of saying it's not true a hundred percent. I've had a lot of conversations with atheists over the years. If you're a person who has those kind of conversations, maybe you're someone who would call yourself an atheist and you've been in these conversations. (laughs) Um, One recommendation would be don't use the Bible to prove God. Don't use the Bible to prove God's existence. That's something called circular reasoning. Well, the reason why God exists is because the Bible says that God exists. Well, who created the Bible? It's that kind of circular, yeah, but if you don't believe this, then you don't believe that. Uh, And so don't use the Bible to try to prove that God exists. Here's what I would try. Here's, here's, Here's stage one. Try this. If you're talking to someone who says they're an atheist, ask this question. Do you ever accidentally pray? Do you ever accidentally pray? Like, you say that you don't believe that God exists, but something goes wrong, and you go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. God, will you please? Because every, personally, every atheist that I know accidentally prays all the time. I also have never met an atheist on the mountaintops of Honduras. I've also never met an atheist in the trenches of some of the places that we've gone to serve. It's 2023. The question is: Do we still need God? Do we still need God? Or um, is is religion maybe the problem that a lot of people have? Americans uh, in 2023, especially now, more and more Americans are migrating away from religion at an unprecedented rate than ever before. Christianity is the highest percentage of uh, religion abandoners of any religion in the world. Christianity has the largest number of people who are taking off and running away from it and it's not because Uh, atheism is more appealing to them it's because people people are leaving because religions lost its appeal because there was once upon a time where Americans believed that religion offered answers and solutions and help but that it's not that way anymore that today religion is viewed by many as guess what the problem Religion is viewed by many people as the problem, right now. Uh, One of the things that happened right after 9-11 uh, for those of you, most of us would know exactly where we were when we were watching TV when all that happened. I was standing in Pete's Photo World on Fields Journal Road watching a tiny little TV in the store that I was the assistant manager of. And the entire day people walked in and any customer that came in, they didn't leave for almost the entire day. We sat there huddled around this tiny TV watching the events of 9-11. Now, right after 9-11, the crazy thing was that there was a huge surge in church attendance. Right after 9-11, a huge surge in church attendance. And then the following week, still numbers were huge. The numbers after 9-11 were some of the highest church attendance in the last 30 years. And then the following week, tons of people, three weeks in, still a lot Four weeks in, not quite as many. And then it just starts dwindling down and dwindling down. And all of a sudden, the weird thing that happened was anti-church, about five or six weeks in after 9-11, anti-church happened all over the United States. For people who have studied this, an absolute real true thing was anti-church that happened. There was a neuroscientist named Sam Harris who wrote The End of Faith, a book that was subtitled Religion, Terror, and the Future of Reason. After 9-11, so many people were searching for answers. We were trying to figure out what to do next. Where was God in the midst of this? And books and books and books started to show up. Sam Harris wrote The End of Faith. Religion, Terror, and the Future of Reason. This book was a scathing critique, not of Islam, not of Islam that pretty much at that time, man, everyone, Islam was Islam was having a rough go at that point. And this book was not a scathing review of Islam, it was a scathing review of all religion, most of all Christianity. Now, the thing about that book was that nobody wanted to touch it. Nobody, no publisher wanted to touch this book. This book was written, and uh, everybody was assuming right after 9-11, nobody wants to read an anti-Christian book, maybe an anti-Islam book. You know, we had just been attacked. But not an anti-Christian one, there's no way. A dozen book publishers turned it down, finally it ends up being published and it ended up on the New York Times bestseller list for 33 weeks in a row. During that 33 weeks of bestseller, there was a massive outcry by Christians, because that's one of the things that we do. We wait for something to happen and then we complain. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> even though we were, we were probably a part of the problem leading up to it. But anyways, a massive outcry by Christians, so much so that the author, Sam Harris, he had to write a quick follow-up book, a follow-up book to put out that was called A Letter to a Christian Nation. Letter to a Christian Nation. And it basically addresses Christianity and essentially says, you guys are the problem. You guys are the problem. Religion is the problem. That there are dangers and absurdities in religion that are leading to some of these causes of bad things in the world. The same year that that book came out, another book by Richard Dawkins came out called The God Delusion. This wasn't a book about atheism, It was a book that specifically targeted religion. Richard Dawkins, in the very opening pages, I I read this book many years ago, the opening page said, if this book works as I intend, religious readers who open it will be atheists when they put it down. Three million people bought that book in over 35 different languages. It was a year after The God Delusion was published that Christopher Hitchens released a book called God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. It just kept going. It was a, it was a hit piece on Christianity for a while. Basically, that the synopsis was that religion is the problem. Not a specific religion, just all religions. These guys... Who wrote these books? They became rock stars too. I don't know if any of you remember this, but they became rock stars. Any any of them who wrote these books against Christianity, against religion, they were having TV interviews. They became college campus speakers. They were YouTube YouTube sensations, all that kind of thing. The weird thing, though, is uh, there wasn't a surge in atheism. There was not a surge in atheism. There was a surge in some other thing that had already started that people were having a hard time putting their finger on. Um, but it was that uh, more and more people became disconnected from religion. That they became disconnected from religion. Um, I don't know. Uh, sidebar. To if to An atheist is not somebody who just believes uh, that, that God isn't real. That actually takes a ton of faith. It takes a ton of faith to be an atheist, to say, I know, I know, I know, I know that I know that I know that I know 100% for sure God doesn't exist. Atheists aren't as common as you would think. More common are people who say, "I'm I'm not sure or I don't care. I'm not sure or I don't care. And so the thing that has been rising up is more of the people who don't care. So many people have disconnected from religion in the past 10 to 12 years. There's actually a name for them for some of you. Some of you are in this room. And it's exciting because now you have a name. Now you have a term. Now you've been studied and you're called a nun. A nun. Not an N-U-N though. An N-O-N-E. A nun. That, what religion are you? Nun completely unaffiliated, that, and this is now 26% of the population. About 37% of millennials in the United States would be considered nuns, no affiliation. That they're not hostile towards religion, that you're not angry at it, you just don't need it, you just don't care. You're just not worried about it anymore. Don't know, don't care, don't need it, right? And this isn't some kind of new idea that people are buying into. It's just that a lot of people have just decided that they're done. They're done with religion. They're done with the God that they were presented with when they were kids. How many of you were presented with a God when you were a kid that is wildly different than what you know now? that it's like, huh? And it's not that maybe you find atheism all that attractive, it's just that you've lost your interest in religion. For some of you, this is good news to actually have a title, a category now. You're a nun. That's, That's nice. I can't speak on behalf of all religions, but what I know is that uh, the majority of people who have migrated away from religion are Christians. The majority of us. The other thing I know is that it's the church's fault. It's the church's fault more than more than anyone else, uh, and it's it's people like me who do what I do. Um, it's our fault. It's not all our fault, but it's our fault in big part, and here's why. Let's take a look at the Gospels. Um, And and here's kind of the thing we'll we'll stick on today, is that um, here's one of the craziest things when you read through the Bible, when you read through the, the Gospels of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that people who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. People who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. Something about Jesus was that he was attractive to people. And I don't mean handsome. We've gone over this before, but Scripture would state that he wasn't handsome. I won't get into all that. The church, though, is supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to be Jesus on display. Mark chapter 2, it says this. Once again, Jesus went outside beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and he followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, there were many tax collectors and sinners who were eating with him and his disciples. One of the things I always try to do also, the side note, it says many tax collectors and sinners, are we any of those? Always try to think, am I one of those? Am I one of those? I haven't collected any taxes lately. (laughs) Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The thing that I've figured out over the years with talking with people, with my own experience, with talking with so many of you, with, is that if If people are ever to that point, if they're ever to that point from walking away from the church, walking away from Jesus, if they're ever to that point where they don't like Jesus or his people, I am convinced that it is because they got the wrong version. They got the wrong version. They got the wrong version. I'm fascinated by deconversion stories from people. Like stories where, and I've heard a lot of them, I have yet to hear any of those stories, you know, people who walked away. Maybe you have a brother or sister, somebody in your family, a friend who used to be close with God, and then they said, ah, F this, and they left. Any of those stories, I've yet to hear any of them that has anything to do with Christianity or God. Their deconversion story where they took off. I've never heard one where it has anything to do with Jesus. Anything to do with God. Ever. It always has to do with people who screwed it up. Places that screwed it up. Not ever Jesus or God. Well, what did, what did Jesus, do? what did God do specific? Sometimes people will say, well, I prayed this. And God didn't answer, type, type of thing, but it, it's not ever that. It's, it isn't that. I hear the story, and it's that somebody, a human person, did something. A place did something. And so they walked away and they threw out the baby with the bathwater. This is modern atheism, it's modern atheism. Because you cannot move away from something without moving towards something else. And so if you're moving away from God, if you're moving away from Jesus, you're moving away from Christianity, you are moving toward atheism. You're moving toward a lack of belief. Atheism isn't just a disbelief in God. Atheism is a complex belief. It's a system which logically leads to some unsettling conclusions. Something can be unsettling and still be true. It can be unsettling and still be true. An example would be, um, my teenage daughter has a boyfriend she's been dating for like four years or something. It's unsettling. (laughs) And it's true. They can be both at the same time. And so you can have things that things that bother you. Not that you guys don't bother me. I love you guys. <laughs> things that are unsettling in some way. But they're also true. Some of the things that come in, some of the things that come in with that are... Uh, the illusion of the mind in a world that is uh, more and more only about biology or chemistry or physics. 2023, we're all about the scientific part of things. Um, the trouble with that is that the mind is an illusion all of a sudden. Kind of some of the stuff that makes us us uh, disappears if we start to just look at the scientific parts of things. Uh, the biology, the chemistry, the physics of things. Well, where's the personality of that? Where is the thing that makes me, me? Where is the gifts that maybe God gave me in that? There's an illusion of free will. In a a world that's governed only by physics, um, physics would say that everything is predestined to land in a certain place. So if you launch it this way, it's going to It's going to land that way. It's going to bounce off of this and do this with this trajectory. Um, But in a world that's governed by physics, every person then is predestined. And so that means if we breed these two people together, we're going to get a baby that is smart, that plays basketball, that is disease-free. That's known as determinism. And it's, it's it's an illusion. I don't know how to explain that. Stephen Hawking, here's a quote. Stephen Hawking said, I've noticed that even people who claim everything is predestined and who can do nothing to change it still look when they cross the road. They do. Because there's, there's a part of it where we're, we're in charge. We have free will. We have personalities. We have intelligence. We have, we have certain things that make us who we are. There's an illusion of value that can come in when we're trying to look at things without God in the picture. That um, value is ascribed by by people, by gold, by friendships, by maybe working out and getting swole, <laughs> by our family that we grew up in, by what college we went to, different things like that. These are that these are valuable. What. You might not have gold or family or friendships or any of those things. I need to tell you right now that you are valuable beyond measure because you have been given a certificate of adoption by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. God, our Savior, the Father, who said that you didn't need to earn your way into his family, that he gives you this certificate of adoption he has ready for you um, an inheritance of royalty because he ascribes value to you in a completely different way that you are so valuable. I'm running out of time. i got to skip some of these. I'll do them next week. <laughs> what I'm talking about today is... Um, the, the idea that there is a modern atheism that goes on that a lot of people, a lot of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of Christians who are in this room sure look like modern atheists. That you can't move away from something without moving towards something else and so if you're moving away from a certain belief in Christ if you're moving away from a belief in God that he has made you, that he has has predestined you to do certain things, that he has gifted you, that he has wired you for his kingdom, that he loves you, that he knows the number of hairs on your head, that it says he, he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he knows your inmost being. Like, if you're missing that piece, you move toward something else. You move towards this modern atheism. And the thing I can't get past is that people who were nothing like Jesus in the Bible, they sure liked Jesus. They liked Jesus. And if Christianity isn't compelling, if it isn't compelling to you the way that it was compelling to those people, um, I would say it's because you have the wrong version. That you have the wrong version. That something happened and I would bet you that there's a person that there's a person or a place that has come in between your relationship with, with Jesus. And if you're one of those people, and I'll just say on, online, anybody watching, um, anybody in this room, if you're one of those people who's on the verge of giving up on God, because I talk with people all the time who I just know, they're... They're on the edge. They're just waiting for one thing to, to go wrong, to stop coming to church or to just throw up their hands. And I would say it's probably not because you've had a thoroughly researched, rational decision made. It's probably because um, you got the wrong version from somebody. It's probably more personal than that. It's probably more personal than what you've what you've studied. Atheism has not become more appealing in 2023. It's that um, it's that maybe your version of God has lost its appeal in some way. So what what I want to do in 2023 is to keep digging into um, into this stuff together to see what what is the real thing. What is what is the thing that, that is true and is not, um, you know, the, this guy hurt me or uh, my mom said this or I went here and I, I signed up to volunteer and they never called me back and so I gave up on, you signed up to volunteer at a church and they never called you back and you gave up on God? <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy when we say it out loud, but it, it just it happens constantly, And so just to dig together in 2023 and see um, if, we can, if we can get better acquainted with the real thing. Psalm 119, again, it says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. Um, and for some of us, that, that's one of the things. I'm a, I'm a natural doubter person. Um, and yet, I'm, I'm filled with faith. <laughs> um, As a natural doubter person, I have to wake up in the morning often and reassess the situation and go, God, is God really real? Uh, And the way that I get there quickly to know that, yes, he is, is I look back on my story and I go into the testimony of what has God done? Like, what has he done? What's he brought me through? What's he brought my family through? My sister is sober for four years. She's not sober from nothing. She's sober from the bad stuff. <laughs> Four years clean. And how does that happen? Because we said that there, it's not possible. And we lost our minds, and we tried everything possible. I sent you to prison. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't work. 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 Jesus comes in and he works. I have to look back at that story and go, is God, real, you your, damn right he is. And so we're going to dig into that more and more. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this place. Thank you for so many stories here where people, where I can look at their stories and know, I can know that, yes, you are. That, yes, you are. Uh, we just ask forgiveness right now for the ways that we have just stepped into that that modern atheism as well where it's it's easy right now to act like you aren't there it's easy to act like we got things taken care of that that you're not necessary that maybe we're afraid of sounding stupid or looking a certain way or whatever it is but God, I thank you for my story that I can look back on it and I can look at the people around me and I can go, there you are. And God, I want to see you more. I want to see you more this year. I want to see you more today. I want to see you more with my brothers and sisters in this room. Because you, you just are, you're better. You're a better way of doing all of it. Uh, I've given my life to you, and I want other people to just experience that life that you have. We know it's not perfect. We know it's hard. But nothing good is easy. We know that you're not safe, Lord, but you are good. We pray that you would help us to become dangerous in the ways of the kingdom. God, that when the enemy looks at us, that they would turn around. Just say, come Holy Spirit. We pray into 2023, just with an expectation that you're going to be doing big things, new things. This is our opportunity to change things around. We're done with this pandemic. And we're going to step into a new chapter with you. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love you guys. Hey, who day? For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.